Welcome to Antioch Raleigh's weekly online sermon. We hope that you are encouraged by this word. For more information on Antioch Raleigh or access to our other online sermons, visit us at AntiochRaleigh.com. Thank you guys for having me today. Brenda and Steve, I love you so much. Um, just didn't know what God had in store for us in Waco. Um, I really connected with Brenda's heart. She's such a wise woman, and she helped me with some areas where I was struggling um, with some decisions about my soon-to-be college teenage daughter. And she just spoke the word, and I felt the release from the Lord. That's the answer. That's the way. Walk there in it. So greetings from Antioch Norman. Um, people say, why did you move to Oklahoma? Why Oklahoma? Isn't that cowboys and Indians? Well, let me tell you. Oklahoma has a mountain has one. <laughs> it's called Mount Scott, and it's actually the mountain where when I first um, went to see my husband, we were dating. Um, he finished college and moved to Oklahoma. I finished college and moved to Rochester, New York, and he said, hey, I think you're my wife. He said, but if you marry me, you're coming to Oklahoma. And so when I came to visit, he told me that they were he had a, they were a very small church there, and he said, hey, before you get back on the plane to head out, we're going to go, we're going to do a church skit, okay? He said, um, so on Sunday, before you leave, we're going to have a skit, and we're going to go to a mountain. So he takes us all to Mount Scott. He, we all, the whole church is about 40 people. We um, carpooled to Mount Scott, and we're doing this skit, and all of a sudden, I found out that I have a role in this skit. And so... Um, all of a sudden, they pull out this, he took two crutches, and he wrapped it in velvet, and he had me sit on it as if I was some royal princess, and the, the guys just marched me around the top of this mountain, because we, we, we drove up three miles, it's only three miles to the top, but it's a mountain, we, we got to the top, and I had to sit on this, this little royal chair, <clears throat> and so he plays this music like there's a, like the king is coming through the courts. And I'm like, what in the world? What kind of skit is this? And so we get to the lookout point, and the girls tell me to stand up. And all of a sudden, they, they um, create this makeshift um, dressing room. So no one can see because they, they have black sheets. And so they put black sheets all around me, and I'm standing there, and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to say in this skit. And all of a sudden, the girls start putting a dress over my head and bangles on my arms. And then they bring the sheet down, and Clarence is standing at the lookout point, and he has on solid white. And he says, will you marry me? Oh. So he... And I'm looking at him, and I'm like, this is a skit. Like, is this real? So yes. So that was my introduction to the one mountain in Oklahoma. I'm so honored to be here today. Um, I won't be before you long. I think I have 30 minutes, correct? Um, just wave at me, Brenda, when I, you know. But, but today I just really wanted to, I just felt like the Lord had a word today about seasons in our lives. And what I loved about the women's conference yesterday is I saw a lot of young girls, I saw a lot of college girls. And that was the season in my life where Jesus really set my path, set my course. And college for me, coming from, high, from, from a home, a broken home of abuse and neglect, 
Um, college was my escapism. It was the place where I was going to go and, hey, I'm done with all of this. My parents were divorced. Um, it was a nasty divorce. I was in the middle of it. My father would talk to me and I would talk to my mom. My mom would talk to me and I would talk to my dad, but they would not talk to each other. And so I was getting away from the chaos. And so in that time of being in college, I found out that I knew Jesus as a religion, but not as a relationship. That I knew Jesus as the place we went on Sunday, um, the Bible school, I, the, um, the, the vacation Bible schools I did in the summer, but I didn't know this relationship that my roommate had where she was spending time with him every night before she went to bed, and I was coming in from the parties in the club, and I'm looking at her like, you're boring, and I'm having the fun, you come with me. And she said, hey, I'll go, I'll go to the club, but if you, you have to go to Bible study. <laughs> so we made that exchange, and it was in that exchange that I came to see that there was something different about this God she served. It was not the God that I had, I had been introduced to my entire life. So that led me on my journey. And I just want to talk today about Ecclesiastes chapter 3, where it says, there's a time and a purpose to everything under heaven. And it talks about seasons. And so, you know, I homeschool my kids, so we love stories. And so we love the Bible because it's, all it is is stories. And I love it. So I would tell my kids when we would get to Ecclesiastes, we're going to talk about going on a walk, girls. And I did have a son, but um, he was always playing with cars in the corner. So my girls were older. We're going to go on a walk. And I said, you know, life is like going on a journey. And you're taking a walk. And in your journey, there are mountains, there are valleys, and there's the plain. And I just want to talk to you today about life, the God of the plains. Because life in, in Jesus is not so much about the things we accomplish. It's not so much about the number of tweets and how much social media attention we get. It's not even about the suffering and the pain and the unknowns that we go through. But Jesus meets us in our day to day. So if I could have your <clears throat> attention for a few minutes, I'm going to talk about some mountaintop moments. We spend most of our time seeking mountaintop experiences. The prevailing view is that life is about seeking out experiences that exhilarate us, that bring us exuberant joy. Adventure junkies chase more and more adrenaline, pushing the edge a little more every time. The way the world works, mountaintops are unavoidably rare and temporary joys. Mountaintops in our lives should be understood to be seasons of life. And so uh, some of my mountaintop experiences was when I grew up poor, grew up in the projects, and I ended up in college, and I, I ended up with an internship at NASA. So the buzz around town was, oh, the, Hill, the, the Thomas girl, she's, she's going to be great. She's, she's going to NASA. She's got this great job. And my NASA experience was amazing. It was quite amazing. I spoke in detail about it yesterday to the ladies, but um, my time in college was also one of my mountaintop experiences. It's where I found community. It's where people knew me. I probably had the least amount of rejection in, that I had ever had in my life. There were Bible studies, weekend retreats, outreaches. I always had community around me, and that was a mountaintop. But there came a time when college was over, and I was like, man, I might probably want to find a job somewhere near college because this is where I came alive. This is where I met Jesus. And the Lord was like, and, and, and then I looked around and all my friends who I wanted to do life with were taking jobs and moving away. 
from Auburn University. And I'm like, okay, mountaintops are not meant to stay. They're only the places, they're only seasons in our lives. My NASA experience, I would drive from Alabama to, to NASA and I would drive the coast through Daytona, down Daytona um, and just the beauty. And I was like, oh my goodness, when I graduate college, I'm going to take a job right here. I'm, I'm, this is where I'm retiring. This is home for me. This is home for me. Lo and behold, would I not know that um, the Lord, when I graduated, I had learned that every step you take, the Lord is, he's willing to be a part of every single step. We don't make decisions and say, God, will you, will you be there when I get there? And I found that um, a lot of times in college, when you get all those job opportunities, our first thing is, where do I want to live? But in the kingdom, we say, God, where are you calling me to go? Lord, what is my next assignment? And where, are my, where is my next tribe? Because if I can find my tribe, provision is where my tribe is. I don't want to go find provision and then look for a tribe and hope I can find a church that fits my mold. So um, I was asking the Lord, Lord, where am I going? I don't even want to stay here at NASA if you're not wanting me here. Even though if I had it up to me, I would choose Daytona. I would choose Titusville, Florida. I would make a home here. I'm only five hours away from, six hours, well, seven hours away from family. My cousins could visit. Everyone could visit me here in, in Florida. And so I went on a fast. I went on fast. And I'm like, I told some of my closest friends, I need y'all to fast with me because I have seven job offers. So I had seven to 10 job offers. The valedictorian had two job offers. But because NASA was on my resume, Everyone was like, she's got experience. She's coming out of college. She's already got work experience. We don't even have to interview you. We want you. And so I got all these phone calls coming in, and I am literally scared because I know, all I know is God met me at Auburn. All I know is he gave me provision through my internship at NASA, and I was not moving my feet until he told me what my next assignment was. So it was in praying. It was in seeking the Lord that the Lord told me to go to Rochester, New York. Now, how does an Alabama girl, it's hot summers, you know, go to a place where it snows nine to ten months out of the year? And when it's not snowing, it's raining. And you only get the sunlight two weeks out of the year. I did find out that people who live that far north, they have some, a lot of them cannot um, tolerate heat and sun. So they move to places where it's more conducive for them to have a productive life. But I'm like, okay, so the, and I'm telling my parent, my mom, I think the Lord's calling me to Rochester, and she about lost her wits. <laughs> she said, you have no family there. There is no one that, why would you choose to go all the way up there? And she's weeping, and um, she had, she, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so she didn't realize that I had heard from Jesus. And I'm just like, mom, you're just going to have to trust me. I said, God's sending me to New Rochester, and all I know is that's where I'm going and I'll be fine. And so it took me on this journey. I was in Rochester for one year. And in that one year, I was alone. I was alone. I mean, I found a church. I did find me a church. I plugged in. I started doing evangelism. Um, I started knock, door knocking with the team, um, trying to lead people to Jesus. I, started, I joined the prayer group. I, I was active. But as far as fellowship and oneness, I hadn't found that. 
um, in Rochester, but I knew that's where the Lord sent me. But that's where I grew the most. That's where the Lord told me that Clarence would be my husband. That's where he told me that my life of singleness was over and within one year I'd be married. That was the spot because I was spending a lot of time with Jesus in Rochester. Um, I love um, Mount Everest. We walked, my husband and I watched a documentary recently on Mount Everest, and it talks about, it was, we were trying to watch one episode, but it was seven episodes, and one led into the other, and before we knew it, it was four o'clock in the morning, and we were still up <laughs> watching. We were like, how did that happen? How did we watch all these episodes? But we were so intrigued with how much people train to have this experience, this one experience in life that they think is going to define happiness, and so they would train for years to go, have this one opportunity to get to the top of Mount Everest. And once you get up past 26,000 feet on Mount Everest, your oxygen level is one-third of what it is on sea level. And then the barometric pressure there is, is so low, you can only be at the top, and it's called the summit, and it's the death zone. They call it the death zone because if you're up there for more than a few hours, your body is going to shut down. And so in life, we have those moments where things are just the greatest, and we make it to that pivotal moment but mountaintops are not meant for us to live and dwell there. We experience them, we come down. And, um, and so the next thing I want to talk about is the danger of the mountains. It's believing that it should always be this way. The prevailing view is that life's whole purpose is about seeking experiences <clears throat> that bring us exuberant joy. That this exuberance or this high should always be a part of your life. And or either I'm not going to be okay. When blessings are meant to be for a season and we try to convert them into a lifestyle, it leads to voids. There is no life forever on the mountaintop. We must remember that seasons, highs, lows, happy moments, painful moments, have a beginning and an end. And through each of those seasons, God sustains us. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, In every season... No matter what the circumstance, we are called to be thankful and to give thanks to God, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So mountaintops, we come off of our mountains, and then there's the valleys of life, the unknowns of life. They are totally outside of our control. We live life trying to avoid valleys. These are our health challenges, loss of loved ones, financial woes, relationship disharmony, struggles in our marriages, misunderstanding. We don't want to live in valleys long. We keep records of the hurts, and we try to protect ourselves from them. In this area of life, we often spend time counting painful situations. Worse, we track who hurted us and who wronged us. But we know as kingdom people, valleys don't define us either. That we're called, I love Matthew 6, where when the disciples said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus knew that he was setting a, 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 a method of prayer that would span the generations to come. And he could have put anything in this prayer. He could have taught us how, how to be happy, pray these things to be happy, pray these things um, to overcome. But Jesus said, when you pray, when you pray every day, acknowledge who the Father is and forgive. He said, you, gotta, you have to pray daily to say, God, may I release forgiveness so that those, to those who have hurt me, and may I, give, may I be granted forgiveness to those I hurt. 
In our lifetime, we will always be making relationships. We will be bonding. We will be making new friendships. And Jesus said, in this lifetime, you've got to live a life unoffendable. Amen. You've got to live a life. I, I know that when COVID, and when COVID hit, um, actually, show up. can you show my picture, please? This is my family. And actually, this picture was taken right at the beginning of COVID when everything shut down. And we were doing Easter service in my living room, and it was being video recorded for the entire church. So I told my kids, wipe your nose, get some clothes on. I know Antioch is a very casual place, but today we're going to put on some clothes for Easter. Put us and get some clothes on. <laughs> so this is my crew. They were not happy that they had to dress up, but they did it. Um, Clarence, my husband, my son, Jonathan, he's 13 years old. Um, my daughter, Destiny, she's eight. Harmony is 17 years old. She's a composer. She writes music. Um, she suffers with chronic migraines. And so I love her because she's a, she's a fighter. And the moment where the pain is lessens to the point where she can hear, where sound doesn't bother her, she'll go worship. She'll go get on the piano. And in the middle of the night, sometimes when she can't sleep because of the migraines, I can hear her playing the music. She's like, Mom, it's something about when I play music. It takes my mind off of the pain. So she's just found her place in worship. And my oldest daughter, Charity, she is 19 years old, and she's a freshman at Mid-America Christian University. But yes, we found ourselves in our living room during COVID season. But what I found during COVID is a lot of people um, gave up on the church during COVID. They were like, you know, that's when all the political upheaval happened, all the things. And they're like, you know, I don't know if church is the answer anymore. And not only did they say church wasn't the answer, they started rehearsing hurts of what the church did to them. So now they're on social media and they're bashing like the church and all the things. And I was just, my heart was so grieved because I'm like, the church has always been the answer. If you look through history, any, any pestilence, any, any um, major historical event, the church is the ones that rose up. It was the church. It will always be here. Um, we are the answer. And so I was, my heart was so grieved. And I said, God, I dare not judge. I said, but by your grace, I am who I am. I said, but Lord, how do I keep momentum? I want to be in my 70s and 80s, still going hard after you. Lord, how do I do that in a culture that we live in, in a world that we live in? And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, the key to keeping pace with Jesus is to master offense. Yes. Master the spirit of offense. Because you know what offense does to us? It causes us to pull back. Okay, that happened. I just won't go to the next meeting because, you know, I don't blah, blah, blah. And so then you say, well, I'm just going to... Um, stay in my own world, or I'm going to make new friends. And before you know it, you have isolated, you have boxed yourself in, and now all of a sudden, you're not reading your Bible as much. You're not praying as much. And before you know it, the enemy has put you on this island by yourself, and now all of a sudden, your passion's dwindling. And so the Lord said, Alicia, if you can master offense, if you can believe that when Jesus said, pray this every day, and you pray not to, to be able to forgive and to um, um, ask forgiveness daily. He's like, you will keep, you'll keep in pace with what I'm doing in the, na- in, in the, in the world and in the nation's to, um, <clears throat> valleys. As difficult circumstances arrive, our comfort and peace lies in this truth, that God holds all things in the palms of his hands. Each thing that comes into our lives shapes us. Valleys are for shaping. They're for sculpting. 
Like a sculptor with his chisel, God is chipping away all that does not look like him. It is not peril to, into which we <clears throat> are being called, but love. Romans 8, 28 says all things, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. We have to believe that when it's hard. God, there's something good coming out of this. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to stay faithful. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep showing up. I'm not going to withdraw myself. Because you're faithful, God, and something good is coming out of this. And so I just feel like most of our lives as believers, it's not mountaintop experiences, it's not valleys, but it's in the plains. It's in the, it's in the everyday. So what do we do in the everyday when, you know, we're not reaching out, we haven't made our next goal, and right now your family's healthy, the job is good, you know, so there's no valleys going on. So what are we doing in the day-to-day in the plains of our lives? Jesus began his life at the age of, his ministry at the age of 30. Um, But before the fanfare, the miracles, and the parables, before disciples and death and resurrection, Jesus spent most of his life on the plains. His ministry began after years and years of growth. Wisdom, stature, faithfulness, all came out of times of mundane, day-to-day activities. Our best moments are the results of years and years of character development, healthy living, and growth. If it is so for Jesus, how much more is it, is it for us? Luke chapter 2, verses 51 and 52 says, Then he went down to Nazareth with them, and he was obedient. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. It was in the plains that Jesus was growing in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. Working, being faithful at work, that's part of the plains. Um, The terrain of life that encompasses the mundane, the everyday. As, As such, it is the place where we spend most of our time. It is an opportunity to choose to have the right perspective. We mistakenly associate mundane things with boring that's boring. Routines, my, my kids think taking out the trash is boring. They think feeding the dog every day is boring. They think cleaning their room every day is boring. But they do not know mommy and daddy are building character in their lives. We're building, we're giving them a, 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 a plumb line for faithfulness, for trustworthiness in the mundane. Our kids, they need those routines. They need those set bedtimes and set rise times. They need those things. Those are the mundane moments that can really, if we don't understand what God is doing, we will fizzle out. We will fizzle out. And it is an opportunity to choose perspective. We mistakenly associate mundane with boring. Routines are just as essential to being happy and fulfilled as mountaintop experiences. The purpose, um, we cannot spend the bulk of our lives waiting on an explosion. A life of purpose includes a life of intentional work. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Do not overlook the years of everyday life. It is an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to live a great life, an opportunity to please God by being faithful in small things, 
and small things that turn into be big things. Life is not just the big moments with lots of lag time in, the t- in between. Life is what happens in the in-between. That's what life is. It is the decisions that we make on the planes that determine who we are. I, um, there's a quote that I love from a friend of mine. He says, um, giftings will open a door f- in, will open a door for you, but character keeps you there. So anyone can be gifted and talented, but if your character, if you can't show up on time, if you can't um, provide, meet your deadlines, um, I don't care how gifted you are, that door was soon enough closed. And so character is in our, we build that in our day to day. So what are the benefits <clears throat> of, of um, maximizing these moments in the plane? Um, our perspective determines whether we fall asleep in the planes or whether we are most awakened. Discernment is key in this area of the planes. When our discernment is aligned with true north, we are able to perceive that life on the plane, in the planes is an incredible opportunity. I love Titus chapter 2. I love the fact that it says younger women and older women um, dwell together, um, that the older women teach us how to love our children, love our husbands, to be housekeepers, to be good at home, to be lovely. I love that because I didn't grow up in a home where those things were um, available to me. And so it was in um, learning about Jesus that I used to cry out, Lord, where are my mentors? Where do, who's going to teach me? Who's going to train me? You know, everybody seems so busy. Where? And, I, and I would just continue to pray. And the Lord said, Alicia, he was like, um, go to the bookstore. He's like, some women um, wrote all their wisdom in books, and they're in bookstores. And he said, until I give you, until I provide you with a mentor, I want you to quit complaining, quit making excuses and saying that, oh, well, you never learned it. He was like, go sit in the bookstore and read a book. And then I I began to learn what submission was. I began to learn what um, honor was, all the things that I just, just, that wasn't available to me. I learned it through books until the Lord began to provide mentors. And so um, one of my mentors actually is here today. She travels with me when I speak. Her name is Cindy. Um, Cindy, um, I met Cindy when my children were like six months old. My oldest was six months old, and she was speaking at a mom's group, and I was drowning in motherhood because one of my valleys that I'll speak about in a minute is I had to leave corporate America and go home and, and be with my children. And for me... That was hard because my whole life was, you're not going to be, my mother was like, you're not going to be like me. I quit school early. I'm stuck in this, you know, really bad marriage. You're going to go to college. You're going to get a degree. You're going to be successful. You're going to have options. And so when the Lord said, your greatest, if you, because I told the Lord, my life is yours. My life is yours. And he said, Alicia, the greatest thing you'll ever do for me is disciple the hearts of your children. That's the great, in this season, the greatest thing you can do is disciple their hearts. And I was like, then I started meeting all these families that stayed home with kids all day. And I'm like, how do y'all do that? How in the world? Do you like being home with those little kids? Those little crumb snatchers? Oh my gosh. You know, and so I would, we would have dinner with them 
And I would, I, there was just something so different about families that kept their kids at home. And I'm, I mean, my kids are in public school now, so I did homeschool, private, and public. So I'm not, I'm not um, um, uh, praising one over the other. But at that time, I was like, there is something really different about these children. Like, what's going on? So the Lord began to tweak my heart, and I'm just dying to death. And I'm saying, okay, I'll, I'll pay for a nanny. And I'll, I'll have somebody come live with me. She can live with me. She can feed my kids. I can go to work. I, I, I was feeling, figuring out. And the Lord was like, but part of this discipleship is your discipleship. And I need you to go home and raise your children. And so that was a valley for me. And in that valley, I am just like listening to the radio, trying to get some encouragement. I can't wait till Clarence walk in that door because I'm leaving the moment he gets home. And so I found this, I went online and I found this church that had a mom's ministry that I had heard about on Focus on the Family. And I went and Cindy was there and she was speaking. And she had captivated my heart, the things that she was saying. And all I know is I was going to sit in that parking lot till she came out that building and I was going to get her phone number and I was going to be, she was going to be a part of my life. And so um, that was 18 years ago and um, we've traveled together. She speaks at my church quite a bit. And it's just an honor to have her here. But mentors, when in the plane, when things are just bored or, or just seems like they're mundane and you don't feel like you're contributing, you don't feel like you're growing, you need those interactions with those that have gone before us. So if you don't have mentors, my charge today is to ask the Lord, who is that man, who is that woman that you are to be um, building friendship with, you are to be sharing struggles with? And the Lord would tell me, Alicia, not only are you going to get a mentor, but you're going to mentor others. So guess what? Look in the college ministry, look in the high school ministry, and grab a young girl and take her to coffee. And so we are called to be discipled and to disciple others in those times where we're just living life. We're giving and we're receiving. I love where it says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 20, um, in a, now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and earth, and some of honor, and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, fit for the master's use, and prepared for every good work. And so after that, it goes on to tell you all the things in the plains that we are to be practicing, things that we're supposed to be building ourselves up in. It says to flee youthful lust, pursue righteousness, faith, hope, and love, and call and with those that call upon the Lord out of a, with a pure heart. It says, refuse ignorant and foolish speculations, knowing that they produce strife. I don't know about you guys, but at our church in Norman, wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Um, um, do we do service on, in, on person? Do we do it on? I mean, there was so much dissension politically, all the things, and people were just getting on social media and having all these quarrels. I mean, it was, they were, they were arguing about some of the things that was just really, you're just like, you just spent a whole day, one person commented like 10, 15 times, so you know they were just sitting there waiting to respond to these arguments, but in the time of the planes, when COVID says go home, when COVID says you're still going to get paid, but you just can't go to work, and I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to be home for six weeks, who knows how long this is going to be. I'm not going to be the woman at the beginning of COVID, 
at the end of COVID that I was at the beginning of COVID. Lord, what are you asking me to do? And so I, I started taking classes online. I'm working on my master's in accounting right now because of COVID, because I'm like, okay, there's, some, there's a skill level. Because guess what? Go, the, <clears throat> the fact that I could be home and still get a paycheck and I don't have to work, I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm on Zoom calling all of my assignments, you know, my um, responsibilities in. The, those were the moments where I think the Lord was just saying to pause and to reflect and to draw your children near. Because the kids were home. Kids couldn't even go to the park. They couldn't go to the playground. The playgrounds were closed during those times. And I just took it as the Lord saying, draw your kids near. Do the Bible studies. Do the devotions. Teach them about me because times are coming. Life will never be the same again after this, Alicia. And they need to know me in a more intimate way. So um, it also says, the Lord's bondservant must not quarrel. But he must be kind to all patient when being wronged. Guess what? We learned that in the plains. When we're being wronged, we're to be patient. We're called to be patient. Um, <clears throat> so what are, the con- what, are the, what are the cons of living life in the plains? Living by faith when the routines of life inform us that... <clears throat> living by faith when the routines of life inform us that we are in control, we are comfortable is the greatest challenge of the plains. When comfort comes. When, you know, we just got our steady routine and now all of a sudden the COVID's over, we get back into the building and we're like, this was actually a great time. And so so our comfort levels get a little bit challenged when we're coming out of, um, when we are comfortable in our, in the plane. When we are, when we are in relative comfort, it is easy to lose track. It can be difficult to know whether we are sailing to a destination or drifting in a current. Boredom is the inability and the unwillingness to see what God is doing and his provision. The Israelites got bored in the desert. They were bored with the manna that God provided. They were bored waiting on Moses to come down off the mountain. And because of this, they missed God's blessing and they incurred God's wrath. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not become weary when doing good, for in proper season we will reach a harvest if we do not give up. So I love this little quote. Um, I know Mother's Day is next week. And I love this quote by a, a lady named Elizabeth Prentice. She lived in the, um, 18th, the 19th century. She wrote a book called Stepping Heavenward. And it was a fictional account of her life. Um, this book was published. Um, one of the most often quoted portions of the book reveals her views on motherhood and her eternal perspective in raising children of the next generation. She says, now she, um, raising, so she had a new baby, and this is what she wrote. I shall now have one more mouth to fill and two more feet to put shoes on. More disturbed nights more laborious days, and less leisure time for visiting my friends, reading, music, and drawing. Well, that was Elizabeth Prentice in the plane without perspective. That was one side of the story. But then she wrote, but I choose to see this as God's eternal call on my life. And she says, here is a sweet, fragrant mouth to kiss. Here are two more feet to make music with their pattern 
pattering about in my nursery. Here's a soul to train for God, and the body in which it dwells is worth it at all costs, since it is the abode of the kingly tenant. I may see less of my friends, but I have gained one dearer than them all, to whom, while I minister in Christ's name, I make a willing sacrifice of what little leisure for my own recreation my other darlings have left me. Yes, my precious baby, you are welcomed into your mother's heart. You are welcome to my time, my strength, my health, my tenderest care, to my lifelong prayers. Oh, how rich I am, how truly blessed I am. So in the plains of life, it's when we die to ourselves, when it comes to our family, we give what's needed, and we sit and we learn. We sit and we learn. So as I close today, the truth is that we can be okay throughout any of the terrains of life. God, not our circumstances, sustains us. We do not achieve peace by overwhelming ourselves with exhilaration. We find peace by accepting and understanding the value of all circumstances in any situation. Ecclesiastes 3.11, as I close, he has made everything beautiful and appropriate in his time. He has also planted eternity, a sense of purpose in our hearts. The Lord is not wanting a big moment, a grand reveal, a high emotion from our mountain experiences. That's not what he's asking for. In our pursuit of mountaintops, we can miss amazing opportunities all around us. He is whispering today, shouting in the mundane, pleading through the everyday, follow me. An important thing about follow me is not specific to the destination where you're headed, but it's about the one to whom you are following. It is the who and not the where that truly matters. If the worship team will come on up. I just really feel like the Lord is saying every season, every day of your life, it matters. Whether we're in mountaintops or valleys, whether we're in the plains of life, we are called to bear fruit. And so I just, um, just want to invite um, anyone to come up. Um,